Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Meow, and welcome fellow feline enthusiasts to another exciting episode of Cat Talk Radio. I'm Molly DeVos, your go-to certified cat behavior specialist. And as always, well, not always, but most of the time, I'm joined by the man who can't resist a good cat meme, my wonderful co-host and husband, Dewey Vaughn. Meowdy, Molly. (laughs) Ready for another perfectly delightful episode? Yes, today's topic is a big one, something every cat owner needs to master. How to feed cats. Because let's face it, feeding time is like the Super Bowl for our felines, right? They're just like, ah, it's food time. (laughs) (laughs) And we've got a feast of information for your listeners. So let's ask them to grab their catnip tea, sit down, and let's dive into the world of feline dining. First off, let's tackle the basics. The bowl. Should we go fancy or stick with the classic bowl? Hmm. So when it comes to the type of a bowl, I mean, of course, the bowl could be fancy. It could be made out of anything. But I, but we really need to take into account whisker fatigue, right? The cat's whiskers are rooted more deeply in the skin than their normal fur hairs, right? Or, or certainly our hairs or whiskers. They're also much more sensitive than regular hairs because the follicles that, that originate at the bottom, right, like, you know, where it is inside under the skin, they're full of blood vessels and nerve endings. And they're as sensitive as your fingertips. So imagine that. And because of that sensitivity, they can become easily tired by unnecessary contact, right? Which, like, is touching the sides of a food or water bowls, right? It can cause information overload in their little whiskers, and that can lead to stress. And so I recommend that you provide a wide, you know, flat, or at least very shallow dish to avoid those sensitive whiskers touching the sides. Now, you can be as fancy as you want. It can have little gold gilding on it and be, you know, China from England, but it needs to be flat. doesn't have to be a cat food bowl. Um, you know, it, it could be a saucer or something like that. Now, we sell a really great one in the store that's actually made of bamboo, so it's renewable, it's 100% biodegradable, and it's inexpensive. I think it's under 10 bucks, and it comes in a variety of colors. And it's flat, but it's got a lip around the edge so that, you know, the food doesn't get eaten off the floor. Because the problem with feeding on a flat saucer is the cat will be licking the food, licking the food, and then licks it right off onto the floor. So go check out our our website at catbehaviorsolutions.org and go to the Behavior Boutique and look up our Whisker Fatigue Cat Bowls. 
Whisker fatigue, huh? Wow, I didn't really realize that was a real thing. I don't know that a lot of people thought that either, but it, does. Folks, it is a real thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one's, no one really wants cranky whiskers at the dinner table, right? No, now, what no a, cranky whiskers. <laughs> no cranky whiskers. Okay, so what about the age-old debate: separate plates or a feline family frenzy? Yeah, that that's that's a good question. And I see this a lot and I get asked this a lot and it's people don't really think about it, but you know, there's there's a lot of cats that will happily eat right next to their feline companion. However, I always revert back to asking myself, is this natural behavior, right? Because we can't forget that all cats still have a 98% DNA link to their wildcat ancestors. They have not evolved all that much. They have evolved in some ways to learn to cohabitate, but they have real inherent feelings and needs and things like that. So my rule of thumb is we should mimic the behavior that they have in the wild best we can, obviously. And in this case, that means cats neither hunt together nor dine together. And they don't share prey. Like if they go out and catch a bird and another cat comes up and goes, hey, I'm hungry. Can I share that with you? Heck no, that's not happening, right? So I recommend feeding them out of sight and at least two feet apart, right? If you, if you can't, like if you're feeding in the kitchen, put one on one side of the island and one on the other, or one on top of the island out of sight and one on the floor, you know, around the corner, or one in the utility room and one in the kitchen. Just feed them out of sight, at least minimum, minimum, minimum of two feet apart, but uh, I prefer it to be out of sight. Okay, now Molly, let's elevate this conversation. Literally. Mm. <laughs> Are <laughs> elevated bowls a feline preferred fine dining experience, or is that just a trend that the humans have come up to, to elevate or to not elevate? That is the question. Yeah, and I've seen a whole lot of elevated bowls. I remember when I saw the first one at Global Pet Expo years ago, and I thought, oh, look at that. Isn't that cute? And we've been elevating bowls for dogs longer, of course, than cats, which is the normal trend of things. Dogs get stuff first. But the theory of elevated cat bowls, right, and they and they elevate it to about the cat's elbow height, is that they help with digestion and reduce the strain on your cat's neck and that they're especially good for senior cats, right? That's what they say when you go to buy one. And and some people say that this elevated height allows your cat to eat and drink from their natural position. Really? I mean, have you ever watched your cat catch a mouse or a bird? Do they find an elevated rock or piece of wood to eat it from? No, of course not. Right? They oh, I don't know. Off. I saw one I saw one kind of put a little napkin around his neck and grab a fork and knife and set it <laughs> on a little flat log one time. So Yeah, right. 
No, it's, you know, they eat it off the ground. There's all kinds of pictures. They, they're crouched down with their tummies kind of flat on the ground and their haunches up and they eat. I mean, lions do it or cats do it. It's like, you know, and now, of course, if a cat's got a medical condition, like, um, gosh, I can't remember what it was called, but uh, my friend Dana has a cat, Kiwi, that, you know, had a, a, from a kitten, it couldn't swallow. It had some deficiency and it had to be fed from a really, elevated bowl I had to really reach up high so that its throat was fully open now, if your cat's got a condition like that with choking problems or swallowing problems then of course I could see using it but again to me I always go back to what to cats do in the wild and this seems like another one of those products that's made for people or dog owners or dog people not for the cat I think it's important we think about what's natural behavior for the cat okay now on to feeding frenzy are we talking three square meals or just the cat frequency i'm sorry frenzy the frequency of feeding your cat is that three square meals a day or is that just like laid out like a cat buffet well, definitely meals and and lots of them. And one of the main reasons for that, and I'll get into some other reasons, again, going back to what their natural behavior in the wild is, but one of the main reasons for that is it's a bonding opportunity. Like we said, cats eating is like Super Bowl time. Woohoo, it's a party. Cats get so excited about eating and this and they know it comes from you right because they're locked in the house they can't get their own food they don't have opposable thumbs they can't open the can so they rely on you and they know it comes from you and they are so grateful and so this really gives you an opportunity to bond with your cat especially if you're fostering you know a shy or shut down cat or trying to socialize feral kittens or feral cats well, meal time is important. So if you allow for a buffet, you don't get that opportunity, right? You're just kind of a big scary thing walking around. Whereas if you're the big scary thing with food in their hand, then wow, you know, you you become a lot more popular. And then as far as how many meals to feed your cat, it really depends on the age and the health of your cat. Kittens will need more frequent meals than adult cats. You know, when I foster, I feed six to eight meals a day to the little kittens we foster and and <laughs> you know and and again I, again i want to i want to go back to what your cat does in the wild you know they're going to eat 10 to 20 small meals a day in the wild because they have little tiny stomachs their stomachs are smaller in comparison to their other organs than dogs or certainly ours. Their stomachs are the size of a ping pong ball. Now look at your cat and imagine a ping pong ball sized stomach. That's little. And look at the ping pong ball and imagine how much you feed your cat, right? If your cat's gorging on its food, like you're only feeding twice a day, and it's probably because it's afraid it's never going to get another meal, right? So it scarfs down what's there, thinking, oh, my God, I don't want anybody else to get it, and I'm not going to get any more for a while. And then they overfill themselves, and they get, you know, stomach aches and cranky and things for that. So it's not healthy for them to overeat. So smaller smaller, more frequent meals. I mean, we feed Pico five times a day, right? We, our morning meal is at least, I always recommend at least 20 minutes after you get up 
for us, it's probably close to 30 minutes as you Dewey feeds the morning meal and, you know, he does coffee and bathroom and stuff like that. And so by the time Pico gets fed, it's probably 30 minutes after we've gotten out of bed. And the reason for that is because if we get out of bed and the first thing we do is feed him, then he associates us getting out of bed with him getting fed. And then he wants us to get out of bed. So then you start the waking mom and dad up antics, which we don't want. And then we feed him again about, you know, lunchtime. I always like to say breakfast, lunch, dinner, right before you go to bed. And then we do a middle of the night feeding in a timer. So it works out to about four to five hours apart in the meals. And the timer is really your friend. I mean, we put freeze dried raw in it and a small amount since it's you know, it's the only dry food he gets all day. It's not really dehydrating him. I mean, he's thirsty after he eats that meal, but um, all the rest of his meals are moist and full of water. And so I'm not, I'm not worried, but the timers come with a frozen cold pack. So if you're not home, you know, we work from home, so it's usually pretty easy to accommodate that schedule, but I'll go down to the shelter, which is an hour away. And if I'm there all day, you know, I have to prepare him lunch. So there's these really cool food timers with great ice packs. And if you go to our website, again, it's catbehaviorsolutions.org, and you go to the resources box, it's got a cat with cool sunglasses on, and then choose the food and nutrition section, and you scroll down on that page, you'll see my recommended food timers to use. So if you're not going to be home, if you're telling me, oh, that's ridiculous, I work eight to 10 hours a day, that's okay, use the food timers. You know, I usually say, get up, feed the cat, and then when while you're feeding the breakfast, go ahead and prepare his lunch. It's super simple. Put it on the food timer to open four to five hours after you leave. And then when you get home from work, feed him supper. He's really happy to see you then. And then right before you go to bed as you're brushing teeth and washing face and doing that stuff, feed the nightly meal as that. And while you're feeding the nightly meal, set the food timer to go off at 3 a.m. Again, that keeps them asleep at night. It, that stops that middle of the night meowing and biting and pawing at your face and, and things like that. So And that sure works. <laughs> it does, right? We've experienced it because we had an older cat that, oh my God, was just horrible. And we fed him meals. It's not like he was only eating twice a day. But that stretch between about 10.30 and 6.30 was too long of a stretch for him to go without food. And really longer than your cat would normally go without food in the wild. So I, we started this middle of the night timer as a school project, actually, as my cat school project. And uh, oh my gosh, it worked in three nights. It was amazing. And he oh, had shredded great. the side of the bed. And oh, he was just, he was just awful. Now, you know, w w this episode is not about what to feed your cat because we have another episode on that. This is how to feed once you've already chosen to feed your cat properly. But I'll put a little plug in for that now, and that is you need to be feeding your cat a moist diet. Dry kibble will dehydrate your cat, is not natural. Your cat, I promise you, is going to live longer and be healthier and happier if you feed it canned food, right? So there is another episode, What to Feed Your Cat. Go to cattalkradio.com and enter it in the search bar and listen to that because that will help you with what to feed and why to feed that. So sorry, that was rambling, 
(laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's okay, Molly. It's good information. So now let's talk about the golden question. How much should we feed our feline friends? Yes, that's the million-dollar question, and I get asked this question a lot, which is why, by the way, we did this episode. I had a flurry of of emails. One was about elevated bowls, and somebody else was asking, how much do I feed my cat, and that kind of thing. And the answer to that really depends on the cat's current weight, its activity level, and its age. Start by referring to the feline body chart. It's like a body score chart is what it is to see where your cat lands on that chart. And it's a scale of one to nine, like one being super skinny and nine being morbidly obese. So four to five is ideal. And the chart shows cat illustrations from the side and from the top, like a bird's eye view. And your cat looking down on him, like if you put one leg on either side of your cat and look straight down on him, your cat should have some curves. He should have some shape, right? And a lot of cats don't. And this is one of the reasons I don't recommend feeding dry food because it's full of carbs and plant protein and things that is harder for a cat to digest. So it goes on as fat. So if you look down on your cat and it's kind of round and there's no shape, it's not getting enough of the right kind of protein or you're feeding too much, right? So, and if you want the chart, by the way, just email me, molly at cattalkradio.com and tell me you want the feline body score chart. Be sure to say that because I get emails from people going, you mentioned a chart in your podcast. Can you send that to me? And you have to realize we have like 260 podcasts and they're housed like a library so people are listening to episodes that are two years old and i have no idea what you're talking about so be sure to say feline body score (laughs) chart if you email me now in terms of how much right if your cat is is at ideal body weight there is a there is a formula so if you want to write this formula down and use it then go get something or pull out your phone and get ready to write this down so you take their weight in kilograms now, one pound is 0.4535 kilograms right and you multiply that times 30 plus 70. Now that's usually around 220 calories a day. And that's assuming your cat's like 11 pounds, right? And and that's 220 calories is usually one of the bigger cat food cans, like a five and a half ounce cans. And it becomes easy when you feed, feed your four meals a day because you just kind of score the can in quarters and you feed a quarter of it, put the other quarter in the lunch timer if you're going to work, you know, or you've got quarters to feed and then your middle of the night, go ahead and use a small amount of dry or a freeze dried raw or something like that. Or even those uh, treats. Somebody asked me if the freeze dried chicken treats would be okay for that middle of the night feeding. Absolutely it is. It's just something to get your cat through the night so it'll go back to sleep. And the reason is that cat's natural rhythm is, you know, hunt, catch, kill, eat, groom, sleep. So if we're feeding him at 3 a.m., then he's going to groom and then he's going to go back to sleep and not wake you up. So that, you know, that that's what works. And, of course, one of the big cans is uh, is easy because you can just score it in fourths and take out a fourth of it. 
Okay. And we should probably share that. I was wondering if you fell asleep over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a little bit long going on. Um, so let's talk about um, you not recommending storing or putting uh, plastic lids on the cans of leftovers. Um, you just, right. just you talk about not doing that. And don't just put the plastic lid on a can and scoop it out later, because once the air touches the side of the can, it admits a bitter flavor to the food. You wanted to talk about that, I think. Yeah, yeah, right. That's that's right. Because like I said, you get a five and a half ounce can and it's good to score in quarters and, you know, feed a quarter. But the leftovers, right, um, need to be kept out of the can. So scoop it out of the can into something else because some cats just refuse to eat those second and subsequent portions of a can because you've just put a dog food can lid on it and put it in the refrigerator. Cats are cats are real picky about, you know, flavor, probably more so than dogs. And so they can actually taste that bitterness in the food. So we keep ours in a plastic container, you know, glass jars work well. We, we've also done that with those wide mouth, you know, ball canning jars. Those are great. Um, you know, and, and, you know, and, and I should probably add that, like I said earlier, an average cat build is, you know, usually 11 to 15 pounds, and depending on, you know, your cat's bones are just like us. So we have petite people with small bones and bigger people with big bones. Cats are the same way. So it doesn't mean that the 15-pound cat is overweight. Ours is 16 pounds, and he's not overweight at all. In fact, most of our friends think he's skinny. Now, how do you weigh him? How do you know? You can't just pick up your cat and put it on the scale. That doesn't typically work. So what you do is you get yourself on the scale and weigh, and then go pick up your cat and get back on the scale and weigh and subtract those two numbers. And that's how much your cat weighs. You know, and another good rule of thumb on, on how much to feed, it, it's about 20, it works out to about 20 kcals per pound, really. And he's gone to sleep again. I don't hear him <laughs> snoring. No, my apologies. I was sneezing and I had put it on a uh, mute for a second while I sneezed. So people didn't hear me. But <laughs> thank you for that. A little bit of allergy going on. So well, thank let's you talk for about not the, sharing. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the treats. Uh, do they need to be figured into the daily caloric count? Yeah, it's just like our diets, you know, everything that goes into our mouths has calories and everything that has calories counts, you know, the, the best thing to do is to just look at your cat compared to the body score chart and determine if they are indeed overweight and adjust accordingly, right? So the other thing is, if your cat is overweight, then you take that formula I gave you and you only feed about 70% of it. So if you figure the 20 kcals per pound, right, that that's good. But Okay, so let's say you look at the chart and mm -hmm. the cat is overweight. Mm -hmm. Do you simply feed less? How do you handle that? Yeah, you want to go slow, right? Because you don't want to just say, okay, here's a half a portion today or your cat's liable to eat your face off in the middle of the <laughs> night, right? <laughs> you got to go slow, you know, cut back gradually each meal till you get to about 70% of that 
KCAL. You know, so for example, if your cat is overweight, you know, then you're just going to multiply that by 0.70. If you use the 20 kcals per pound, then it's probably less than you're feeding your cat now. But yes, if your cat is overweight, two things. Make sure you're feeding moist food because if they're feeding dry food, then that's just full of carbs and it's really hard to get a, a dry food fed cat down to proper weight without, you know, without really starving them to death. They need the amino acids and the protein and things that come from feeding the meat. You know, they're obligate carnivores. So I, I just wasn't going to talk about what to feed your cat this me this episode. That's Shoot, funny. it's such a slippery slope for me. So let's just say use the, and if you want the KCAL, you know, if you weren't writing it down when I was talking, then uh, just email me and I will be happy to send you the KCAL formula so that you know how much you should be feeding your cat. And then you look at the body score chart and go, Okay, is my cat overweight? So the KCAL formula is based on how much your cat weighs now. So if your cat weighs 20 pounds, you don't want to be feeding it to keep it at 20 pounds. So kind of got to use that KCAL formula and the body score chart hand in hand to know what to do. Oh, right. So basically, no eyeballing it. Right. <laughs> We're right. not running a cat food cafeteria here. <laughs> no, that gets expensive. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, and that's a wrap for today's Cat Talk Radio episode. We hope you've enjoyed our culinary adventure into the world of feeding your kitty. Remember, a properly fed cat is a happy cat. Yes. Thank you for tuning in with us today on Cat Talk Radio. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to cover in the future episodes please email them to molly at cattalkradio.com yes that helps us out a lot because we're on our 260th episode and we run out of things to talk about we do revisit some topics but you guys have great questions out there and so email them to me because it makes me think and uh, and go yeah that's probably something people should know about so absolutely and you can help us out another way go to our store as I mentioned earlier where the whisker fatigue bowls are there's lots of cool stuff in there there's this awesome fishing pole that is just too much fun uh, Dewey loves it <laughs> he plays with Pico every mm-hmm. night with the, it's a real kids fishing pole by the way and it doesn't get tangled and it's amazing and Pico loves it too but there's all kinds of cool stuff lots of great catnip filled sacks things to bring enrichment to your cat and all of the proceeds from that store go to benefit Cat Behavior Solutions, which is a nonprofit because, you know, we're here all about, you know, helping you to know how to take better care of your cat and how to increase that bond between you and your cat because it's more fun when you're closer to your cat. And you know what? We're going to keep doing this as long as shelter euthanasia is the number one cause of death in cats. And that's a sad fact. So until yes. next time, everybody, keep calm and purr on. Yes, good everyone. Goodbye, everyone. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. 
Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.